0: In John's Gospel, Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. What does that mean? How does he prove it? Well, we're going to spend some time in that Gospel over the next few weeks here on this podcast as I play you some of the sermons I've given at my church on the topic. So let's dive into John now and see what he has to say. Have you ever been left home alone? The, the idea of it, it spun a number of movies, didn't it? With uh, Kevin McAllister being left to fend for himself. Usually though, the parents don't just forget about their child, do they? They normally know exactly what they're doing. They prepare a long list of chores and rules for when they're going to return. Feed the cat. Don't hit your sister. We'll be back on Monday. Or is that just me? <laughs> well, in our passage this evening, Jesus is giving his leaving speech. Otherwise known as the Upper Room Discourse, you might have heard that. He's laying out for his disciples what's going to happen next. What he expects from them before he returns. He even refers to them there, if you look at verse 33, as his children. So here in John 13 and 14, we get to listen in as Jesus explains what he wants his disciples to know as he leaves. What kind of people he wants his close friends and those who hear their teaching to be. So the first thing we're going to see is that the disciples are to know the cross is God's glory. As Jesus leaves them by way of the cross, they're to find glory in it. Have a look at verses 31 and 32 of chapter 13. Now just to set the context of where we are, we've just had Judas go off into the night off out into darkness, rejecting Jesus and going to betray him. And now that the events are set in motion, as Judas has left, Jesus is now going to the cross. But in that moment, as he gives his life for many, he and the Father are glorified. There's a connectedness here. We're going to think about that again in a moment. This whole passage, it's massive on the Trinity. And when we hear it, you you just can feel it. Let me read it. Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. <coughs> it's quite a complicated sentence to unpack. But what's going on? Judas has just gone out to do what he's going to bring the Son, and what he's going to bring the Father, glory. The cross Is where God's glory is found. So as Jesus is leaving his disciples, he wants them to understand this. He wants them to grasp that the cross shows God's glory. He wants them to see how important the cross is, to preach the cross, to share the cross with those around them. As we saw a few weeks ago, the cross is the center of God's rescue plan for the world. So these disciples, they shouldn't be embarrassed about it, they shouldn't water it down. Instead, They should proclaim the glory of the cross because the Son and the Father are glorified through it. Jesus wants his disciples and us through them to know that the cross is for his glory. The second instruction on the list, the disciples are given a new commandment in verses 34 and 35. Love one another as Christ has loved you. Now in some senses that's not a new commandment, is it? The whole Old Testament law can be summarised as love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. So it doesn't seem very new, does it? But it is new in way of the details. Have a look again at verse 34. See what Jesus says there? Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. That takes the requirements up a notch, doesn't it? We've just seen Jesus serve his disciples by washing their feet. But now he's heading off to the cross to die for them. They've seen the example. They've seen, or they're going to see, the ultimate demonstration. And in light of that, they're to follow. As Jesus leaves his disciples and those who follow them, he leaves them this commandment here, to love as he has loved. we are going to see something similar in Ephesians in a few months' time. But as they do this, as they love one another, all people will know that they are his disciples. You see, this love is characteristic. This love marks people out as belonging to Jesus. This love is more than just a wishy-washy, heart-feeling, feel-in-my-fingers-feel-in-my-toes kind of love, though, isn't it? It's more than just love, as one guy might say. It's given definition. It's given shape. It's the, the love that Jesus has shown, a love that is purposeful. A love that points people to their biggest problem. A love that points them to their sin. A love that points them to a broken relationship with God. And a love that's sacrificial. A love that follows Jesus. Love shown to fellow believers. how, How do we get on with doing that? Love one another as Christ has loved you. We're hurtling through these. Here's the third one third instruction to look forward to the future let me just go back to the image at the start imagine your parents have said they're going to leave you for a while initially you might think to yourself great I get to eat what I want I get to watch what I want I get to do what I want but sooner or later you realize the opposite side of the coin who's going to do my washing who's going to lock the door at night well, for these disciples, I'm sure similar concerns, maybe not the same concerns, kicked in. Peter says, why can't I follow you now, in verse 37? I, I will lay down my life for you. Well, in fact, as, as we know, and as Jesus says here, he's not going to, is he? Well, not now, anyway. Instead, Jesus says to him, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. So not only has Jesus just said he's going to go away, Jesus has also told them, They're not going to be able to go with him. And he's just told Peter that he's going to deny Jesus before the night is over. In other words, Jesus is saying to them, I'm leaving you and you're not even able to make it through the night without me. That's ample reason for them to be troubled, isn't it? That doesn't seem like he's saying what I'm saying. Doesn't seem like he's saying, look forward to the future. But see where Jesus goes next as we cross into chapter 14. Look what he says in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. What Jesus is saying here is that to trust him, to trust him that his departure is good. Jesus is giving his life for the disciples. He is serving them so that they can serve. It's not the other way around. Peter doesn't need to lay down his life for Jesus It's the complete opposite. Jesus needs to lay down his life for Peter. We can sometimes fall into thinking that we need to serve Jesus so that Jesus serves us. We sometimes think that we need to do something so that Jesus can work. Well, that's completely backwards, isn't it? Something Peter needs to learn here, something that we need to be careful with as well. Instead, Jesus says to believe in God and to believe in him. Trust him that his leaving is good. And trust him that he's going to come back. That's what's being inferred in verses 2 to 3 of this chapter. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. It would be a weird thing for Jesus to do, a weird thing for Jesus to say if he was to leave, to go off and do this and not return. It would be like cooking a Sunday roast and then having no one eat it. Now it's worth adding some clarity here to what Jesus is saying. You see, in John's Gospel, Jesus has been speaking about his father's house already. In John 2, Jesus told the market sellers to stop turning his father's house into a market. So we already know that Jesus' father's house, well, that's, that's the temple, isn't it? We've been thinking about that in the mornings. I'm going to point us here this evening as well. As we thought last Sunday morning, the, the temple is the picture of where God dwells with his people. And we see that picture again right at the end of the Bible, where the same John, who's writing here, sees God's city coming down out of heaven and God dwelling with his people. So in this verse here, Jesus is saying, as he goes to the cross, he is going to the Father, and he is going to prepare the new creation. It's nothing about mansions here. You might have seen that in previous translations. In fact, this is new creation. Jesus is going to bring about the new creation. I'd love to spend more time here and think more about this. Maybe we'll do that another time. But the big thing for us to see is that in his absence... The disciples are to look forward to the future because Jesus will definitely return. And finally, Jesus wants his disciples to know that there is no other way to that than through him. He wants them and us to believe that he is the way. As this passage has been working along, you might have seen a whole number of questions about going Jesus tells his disciples back in verse 33 that where, they, where he is going, they cannot come. And then in verse 36, we see Peter say, well, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replies, well, where I am going, you can't come now, but you will follow afterwards. Then in verse 4, Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going. Well, You can, you can understand why the disciples might be a little bit confused. Thomas pipes up and says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So that's where this famous line from John comes in. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus that anyone can come to the Father. It's only through Jesus that anyone can dwell with the Father. Jesus is the one who is going to open that door, that door to life, as he goes to die on the cross. That's why no one can follow him now. He's the only one who can do that. But people can follow later through him. That has massive implications. We see some here in the passage. Just notice how, for the rest of this passage, everything is through Jesus. There's a lot of detail here, we haven't got time to go into now. But notice how everything here is through jesus the first thing we see comes as philip seems to miss the point verse 8 lord show us the father and that will be enough for us jesus just just show us the father it's just a small request i don't know what philip expected but the times in the old testament where god has been on display well they required a mountain and some fire and some smoke trumpets loud noise just a small request there philip hey But notice what Jesus says back to him. Jesus can say, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. God's revelation of himself is through Jesus. There's a connection between the Father and the Son that just goes beyond our understanding. Something that we capture with the idea of the Trinity. And in verse 11, Jesus tells his disciples, and therefore us, that we are to believe that. To believe in the Trinity. Because through Jesus we see the Father. And another through Jesus. Through Jesus we can pray, verse 14. Anything asked for that will glorify the Father and in Jesus' name will be done through Jesus. And through Jesus the Spirit comes, verse 15 to 17. Through Jesus' return to the Father, the Spirit comes. We're going to see more of that next week. There's so much that can be further unpacked here. So please do go ahead and look again later. But the big headline I want us to see right here, all of this comes through Jesus. All these things are through Jesus. There's no other way to life. There's no other way to God. It is all through Jesus. So Jesus can close in verse 18 by reminding his disciples that they are not alone. They are not left as orphans. They're not left like Kevin McAllister, as his parents go away. The disciples are not left with any hope of his return. Instead, they can have confidence that all the things he said will happen and get on with what he wants them to do in his absence. There are the four things. In a few moments, we're going to think, how are we getting on with these as well? Knowing that the cross is God's glory, to proclaim it, the cross, as the place where God's glory is shown to love one another, loving as Jesus has loved them. Looking forward to the future, looking forward to Jesus' return when he takes his people to dwell with God and believing that Jesus is the way, Jesus and Jesus alone. Those things are said to the disciples and those things are passed on to us through them. So how are we getting on with these things here? I hope you found that helpful and edifying. If you have any feedback or questions, feel free to reach out to me via email. The details are in the show notes. But until next time, let's keep praising God this week.